Welcome to Papaya Talk, the podcast where we dive into the world of women's health from one generation to the next. Join us as a mother-daughter duo as we seek to empower young women through the sometimes awkward, often avoided conversation about our bodies. I'm Dr. Elisa Herrera-Set, physical therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'm Nadia Herrera-Set, public health student at Northeastern University in Boston. Together, we're going to share stories, insights, and expert advice about health, self-care, and everything in between. Hey, Jen. Hi. (laughs) So Nadia and I, this is like the first time that we've done a podcast sitting in the same room. So this is kind of exciting for us. Awesome. Yeah. She's home for the holidays and, um, and she's typically recording from Boston. So, um, you get to be the first guest where we're together. Thank you. It's fun seeing you sitting side by side. It's super cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to do a brief introduction. I'm really excited to introduce Dr. Jennifer Kinder. She has a diverse work experience in the field of physical therapy and education. I've known her for a really long time, um, so I'm hoping it's okay that I refer to her as Jen. She is an associate professor at the University of California, San Francisco, where we both went to school for physical therapy. She owns and works as a physical therapy consultant at Rehab Fitness and Wellness, and she is the chief public health physical therapy advisor at Blue Jay Health. She's passionate about helping patients with pelvic health conditions such as incontinence, pelvic pain, prolapse, pregnancy-related pain, postpartum recovery, and conditions related to menopausal or postmenopausal health. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and start with um, passing the mic over to Nadia. She has a lot of questions for you. And we did have a conversation about a couple weeks ago about pelvic health, just she and I. So um, these questions awesome. stem from that conversation. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to become a physical therapist who specializes in women's health and pelvic health? Yeah. So like many PTs, I started out in orthopedics and it was kind of funny. um, When I was working orthopedics, I was kind of always sent the perinatal population, I think, because I was a female and... (laughs) and just could relate. And even though I had not had kids at that time, and Mm -hmm. so I was really working with a lot of the perinatal population. And um, then when I had kids, (laughs) then I realized giving these mamas like 45 minute home exercise programs isn't going to cut it. And so then I had to Mm -hmm. like, wow. And and I also had challenging birth experience. And I was just horrified, literally horrified by the lack of care out there. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm a physical therapist and I know something about this. And like, what is going on for all the other mamas in the world? Mm -hmm. So it just really set me off on a mission because, um, you know, it just was really um, maddening. (laughs) And as I've, you know, really done some, my own like self work in the last, uh, last few years, I've realized that, you know, I think subconsciously I was drawn to public health earlier and um, just from my own experience as a female athlete and um, just, yeah, things that happen in our life. And so I'm, I'm just really excited to be doing this work. <laughs> yeah, it's really great when your work can be inspired by real your own personal connection with a topic and also 
I don't know. I find it really great when you're trying to fix something that you think is broken. I, I don't know. I, yes. that, that really helps me fuel a lot of what I do. So I think it's really cool. What uh, sports did you play? I played soccer like my whole life. And then I was a cross country runner and track runner in high school and college. And so, um, yeah, lots of running <laughs> 75 mile <laughs> weeks training in college. I remember one time it was so funny. Um, we used to train two times a day and really early in the morning as a college student, Nadia, like, you know, mm-hmm. waking up at like five in the morning and going for your first run of the day, I literally <laughs> stepped out the door. I was mid run with my group and I lo- I was like, something doesn't feel right. And I looked down, I had two different shoes on because we had two <laughs> different pairs. I literally uh-huh. had like the right shoe from one brand, the left shoe from the other. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I feel for all the college out- athletes out there because it's, it's, a brutal lifestyle, but also so awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you feel like you, a lot of people associate like going out at night and partying with college. Did you feel like mm. you could do that? Um, if you had to wake up at five in the morning? Yeah. So, so I definitely have always, and I think it's kind of rare. I don't know, but I've always been someone who needs sleep. Like I only pulled one overnighter my entire college life. And that was mm. when I was studying abroad and it was in Spain and it was like, I was thrown into this like horrendous class. And it was like the only time I ever did that. I wasn't actually training at that time because I was studying abroad, but no, I actually went to bed at like, you ask all my friends, like they'd laugh. I, I would go to bed. I would do my work, my studying. I would go to bed because I knew I had to wake up, but then, you know, study hard, party hard was kind of the motto. So, you know, when I had my time, I, I, I like for me actually having sports in home my whole life kind of helped me organize my life. It's like, I, yeah. I knew I had this much time to study and I would just buckle down and like hammer through. And, um, yeah. So for me, like I, I loved it and I, I got to meet different people and mm-hmm. it just was like brought in my life and I love sports and it's just, it was, it's a big part of my life. So I, I, I loved having that. <laughs> Yeah, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with like the organizing part. I feel like even in high school too, gymnastics really helped me because I had practices at certain times, like every single day. So I I knew in like, (laughs) I knew in certain moments, (laughs) I knew in certain moments in the night, like I really need to get work done. Um, But about a month ago, we talked a little bit about leaking while doing gymnastics. How common is it for you know, young adults and young women for who haven't been pregnant to leak when they run and jump. Yeah, sadly, as I'm sure you both know, it's very common and um, really high in high impact sports populations. So jumping and running and this weightlifting, um, this whenever the intra-abdominal pressure control of your canister, your trunk, is challenged by reaching that threshold of your pelvic floor. And if that, and they were trying, kind of jumping into other stuff, sorry, let me answer your question, but then going a little <laughs> further, I hope that's okay. But um, with those certain sports, like trampoline is a big one, mm-hmm. um, making sure that the pelvic floor is conditioned for that. And maybe we'll get to this later, but like your pelvic floor is a skeletal muscle. So it has endurance fibers and fast twitch fibers. And another big Mm -hmm. thing is that neuromuscular control. So just, you know, you may be strong in a certain position, but then, and then weaker in others. And so for those dynamic sports, like gymnastics and running and basketball and volleyball and have high Mm -hmm. pressure, 
um, gosh, there's just not enough done. And, and, you know, you look at the studies and it's like, there's no randomized controlled trials for stress urinary incontinence in female athletes like this. And I'm working on that. But, um, and so <laughs> that's uh, pretty maddening because um, it's, it's a, one of the number one things why females leave their sport. And when we think about how that affects their long-term health as um, older women, like cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease, osteoporosis, that's a huge problem for our healthcare system. And so that's, uh, yeah, unfortunately it's too high. We're going to yeah. fix that, right, Lisa? <laughs> right, right. Actually, okay, so it's true. Someone who might be leaking when they're running and jumping and tumbling, especially if they're wearing a leotard and they're fully exposed to everybody in their sport, they yeah. might, like, feel burdened by this leaking and then decide yeah. like you said to stop the sport mm -hmm. but i know personally because i work with a lot of athletes that there are a lot of athletes out there that um continue with the sport and they find a way to manage now if you're an athlete out there you know that you find a way to manage you've sprained your ankle mm -hmm. so now you wear like an <laughs> ankle brace you you know you your back hurts every time you do your sport but you've decided like okay if i ice every night or if i take ibuprofen mm -hmm. every night I'll be able to manage it. You know, you find a yeah. way to manage it. And so there are ways that people manage leaking in sport like, okay, fine, I'm going to leak. So to be, in order to not be embarrassed, I'm going to go ahead and wear a pad mm -hmm. or um, I know that this is might be confusing to people, but there's, you can wear a tampon and yeah. the tampon obviously isn't inserted into a place where urine comes out, but the tampon acts as a pressure against your pelvic floor so that you're less likely to leak. Some people will wear tampons, they will, they will wear pads. And I'm just wondering, in your opinion or in your, you know, with your scientific and, and um, medical knowledge, is it bad to use a crutch like a pad or a tampon to uh, be able to tolerate your sport, knowing that it's a way to help you stop leaking and you want to stay in your sport? Yeah. So great question. And um, I think this also goes for mamas out there who have prolapse, because it's like basically a very similar thing is where this, it's like a tampon, like you said, it's being inserted in the vaginal canal and it's helping to hold the organs in place, the bladder, the mm -hmm. rectum, the uterus. And so this tampon for our female athletes that, you know, I want people to continue their sport. The last thing mm -hmm. I want is for them to have to leave it. That is not what we want. The thing is, is that we have to rehab as well as have the brace because just like any brace, that brace is going to break down. And mm -hmm. if you're dealing with ligamentous support that has been weakened and dealing with a weakened pelvic floor that actually helps support your ligaments and your fascia, that's holding your urethra in place, right? And the bladder in place. Um, then you got to work on that as well as use that brace to help get you through. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're, we're following it closely every time to say like, is this still working? Because the last thing I want though, I don't want you getting worse. Right. And so sometimes I think we kind of think all or none and there is a middle ground. And I know that coaches, some coaches <laughs> don't mm -hmm. um, believe in the middle ground. However, it's important that they do if they really want, you know, the best performance out of you for the long term. And I know what you're going to say is like, sometimes they don't care, but you know, that's where the system has to change. And, you know, it's not going to change if we just keep letting it go. Like that's a guarantee. And I, I, I truly believe in 
that there are people out there like coaches that care for the sport and want to see it change. I mean, if we even look at like football, it's changing. We never thought that they would take a look at their concussion rates, take a look at their helmets that they're changing. We can change these systemic issues in female athletics because it really needs to. It's it's, it's causing a very bad problem, as you know. I love the passion. I love the passion. Sorry. Let's back it up a little bit. Let's back okay. it up off the passion for a second. And back, mm-hmm. I, as you're talking, I was realizing that we might not, I don't know if we talked about it in our, in our episode. Yeah. Why do people leak? Like, um, like most yeah. people think that people leak because they're not potty trained or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like wh- yeah. why, what makes people leak? Is it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So leaking, we call it incontinence. There's different kinds. So stress urinary incontinence is the most, um, the one you hear about a lot of like leaking urine um, or feces when you Mm. cough, sneeze, laugh, or do your exercise like a tumbling and you leak, Mm. right? Um, So what causes it? Well, intra-abdominal pressure control. So we have your, if you think of your trunk, like a canister, like a can of soda pop, right? And you've got the top being the diaphragm, the bottom being the pelvic floor. And then you have your transversus abdominis muscle running across your belly button. So horizontally, mm-hmm. like if you look up the, the definition of the action of transversus abdominis, it's to hold the organs to, to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have multifidi and we even go as far as the glottis. So in the voice, uh, the larynx area. So what's causing the leakage is Sadly, over time, when, so ideally what's supposed to happen is, you know, Julie Weeb is, she created this great um, analogy to this as a piston effect, that as you inhale, your diaphragm should naturally, de- uh, should naturally descend and your pelvic floor should naturally descend with it. And then on exhale, everything should go back to a resting position. What happens is sometimes people start holding their breath. Um, you know, breathing abnormally in a way, um, mm-hmm. sucking in their stomach because we've learned to never let your stomach hang out in the society. And so then um, what happens is that piston effect is altered. And now you have a changing position of your pelvic floor. This can also be altered by your posture changes. So mm-hmm. a big one is people like walk around in a posterior pelvic tilt, like tucking your tail between your legs because they learned it somewhere along the line. That's okay to do with certain exercises, but not to walk around daily because it actually takes Mm -hmm. your lumbar curve out and that changes the position of your pelvic floor. So when you have your breathing and then you put on top of that high impact exercise, everything is the pelvic floor isn't getting the right excursion and it starts to change things. And that's where you start to see the leaking happen. Um, You can also have urge incontinence and this is where things get super interesting, right? So you can have like the key in the door is what they call it. So Mm -hmm. some people will pull up to their house or, uh, you know, go to class or something and they like turn on the shower and they instantly leak. That's more of a brain body connection. So we call it mind over bladder training and even have it like people going to the bathroom like six times a night. I've even had a patient who was 32 times a day going to the bathroom. And so a lot of that was this urge that they felt. And uh, we had to retrain the brain and retrain mm-hmm. the bladder to, to know what is normal and help the body get a normal response to urge. Um, so, and then there's mixed. Ah, then you got mm-hmm. both the stress and the urge and then increased frequency. Mm-hmm. So lots of different kinds of incontinence. Um, and very individualized to treat it too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Add I mean, to it. Yeah, that's like a whole. That's like a whole. Um, qu- like 
quarter of PT school right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, right? So hopefully, um, so hopefully people got that. But yeah, basically, you know, all that Jen said, plus the fact that, like, what's what the missing thing that people might not understand? Like, okay, you have this pressure in your in your trunk in your abdomen, and then your pelvic floor can't manage the pressure that's coming up on top, and then you leak. Why do we leak? Because I guess because the pelvic floor isn't able to support the contents that are falling down into it. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. And also it can also be a neuromuscular control issue, which is what I commonly see in people where it's like they might be strong, but they're just not timed right. It's like their mm -hmm. initiation of their pelvic floor is off. We actually want it kind of create, we call it like a bottoms up approach is like close the canister from below so that um, a lot of times you can have an overactivation of your transversus abdominis, which we see a lot in our female athletes, where mm -hmm. it's the one that's doing the initiation of the trunk canister control. And it's pushing on the pelvic floor even more. And that's pushing on the bladder. And then you get the leaking. The pelvic floor is like, I give up. Transversus, you're winning, you know? Yeah. So then you have to just get pelvic floor to be the initiator. And it takes some um, learning, but totally able to do. I should have some questions, but you want to ask your questions? Well, <laughs> I, when I was younger, I think this is like going into like, what can we, how can we, I don't know if the right word is to fix it or what we can, what we can do about it. Cause I know I experienced this when I was younger and same with like all my other teammates, but we didn't talk about it that much. It was kind of mm -hmm. embarrassing. And then as I got older, it was still embarrassing, but it started to become a thing that we talked about and laughed about. But none of us were like, oh, like, what should we do about this? All we would do is like, oh, I I gotta go to the bathroom. Like, I, I gotta go um, right now. But yeah. um, is there anything, I know you just talked about like training it, but is that the only solution or is there, you know, breathing techniques like what's what yeah is that? so the other piece of this is a hypertonic pelvic floor so overly tight pelvic floor it's just mm -hmm. what really commonly see in a lot of female athletes and non-female athletes just really depends on the person but um a lot of times what what will happen is and, and i don't know if it, but like so if you have a regular resting length of your pelvic floor just like any skeletal muscle it can be weakened and have trouble contracting. You can mm -hmm. also have it too tight. And so we often commonly say like, okay, what if you walked around with your elbow bent, right? Your bicep on like 16 hours for that day. Then when you go to release it, it's like super weakened. So you can have an overly yeah. tight muscle and weak, which can also cause your incontinence. Because oftentimes mm -hmm. people are like, well, I do my Kegels. 50% do them wrong, right? That's what we show in research. <laughs> but um, you can also have too tight because if your muscle's unable to get full excursion and lengthening, it cannot get full contraction strength. Mm -hmm. So that's where it becomes very individualized of like, do you have a more hypotonic pelvic floor or hypertonic pelvic floor? Um, where is it at? And then also that can, that neuromuscular control of the coordination. So it, it does get into the weeds with each person, but there's, there are commonly like kind of like um, go-to things. Like if you tend to have more pelvic pain, then you're probably more of a hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, and pelvic pain is going to be pain with sex, pain with tampon insertion, pain with gynecological mm -hmm. speculum exam, um, or high anxiety kind of type A stuff. Um, so to get to your question, <laughs> which I've kind of forgotten. Can you say it again? I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Just oh. like, 
I mean, you've, you've answered it. I mean, it's just, Dang. what is, what, it, what can we do about it? Like, yeah. is there even something we okay. can do about it? On your own, fun. you mean? Not with a pelvic, not with a PT, but on your own? I mean, I guess to, on your own and then to know if you need to get help from a yeah. floor specialist. So just came out with a study on, um, it was in runners with stress during incontinence and this run the gamut of, didn't have to be postpartum, it's Nellie Paris. Um, and yes, there is. So I'm a big proponent of this because like people will like go and do these online programs and like they're doing it anyway, like let's teach them the right way. So, mm-hmm. so you can, and I run these general programs and what I see is they work in a lot of people. There's always like that couple that they it won't work for. And so mm-hmm. then, um, you know, doing a generalized exercise program for pelvic floor is great. The biggest thing is adding in the relaxations. So people will do their Kegels, do their Kegels. You also have to do the relaxations of the pelvic floor. So maybe let's walk through it right now because that'd be fun, right? Yeah. If the whole <laughs> audience is like willing to do. So if you put your hand on your chest and your hand on your belly, I'm just talking to the audience here. So if you inhale, just kind of see where your breath is. I know we all want to roll our eyes and be like, oh my God, breath work. But as you know about that canister, it's super, super important. And this is where we start off. So if you inhale, where do you inhale into? We want to direct that breath into the belly. So when people tend to breathe with their chest, I I ask them to put both hands on their belly just to redirect that breath to the belly. So inhale into the belly. Of course, the air isn't going into the belly. It's just your diaphragm Mm -hmm. and then that excursion. And then exhale, let it fall. Let's try it again. Inhale into your belly and exhale, let it fall. I know you both probably know how to do this, but it's for the audience. So then we're going to add the pelvic floor. So now as you're sitting there, if you are a person listening, then you want to just kind of like you are sitting on your pelvic floor between your sits bones. So there's a couple different, there's so many cues I could give. Um, I like a couple different ones, but we'll go with like a tampon. Um, So if you imagine there's a tampon in your vaginal canal on inhale, let your belly get big. On exhale, I want you to squeeze the tampon and pull it up, 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 and in. And then inhale, let it all go. Good. And just take a normal breath. And then again, inhale into the belly. And exhale, squeeze the tampon and pull it up, 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 and in. And inhale, let it go. (laughs) So one, somebody might be like, I don't feel anything. I don't know. Or I do feel it. If you do feel that, and you're also feeling your lower belly kind of hug towards your spine, that's fabulous. That means that your pelvic floor is still best friends with your transversus abdominis Mm -hmm. because they share a fascial sheath together. And so we want them to be coordinated with one another and we want that pelvic floor to be leading the movement. So if you felt, or even if you didn't, we're gonna add on to this. So if you inhale into your belly, exhale, squeeze the tampon and pull it up, 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 up and in, and then pull your belly button towards your spine and then inhale, let it go. So don't suck your belly in. It's just a gentle draw of your belly button towards your spine. So let's try that again. Inhale into your belly, exhale, squeeze the tampon or put the person in the elevator and walk it up, 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 up towards your head and then pull your belly button towards your spine, inhale and let it go. So that's how to, I like to say the word engage the pelvic floor because what I have found is when I say contract, people go crazy and they're just like me and like their yeah. whole body tenses up. And I'm like, wipe that out of your brain. Mm-hmm. We're going to train this thing in, pel- in, in our pelvic floor and our transverses in isolation because when you, so you might be noticing audience out there, um, you might be squeezing your glutes or your 
And, and so we want to be able to do this without squeezing your glutes. Aha, mm. that's the challenge, right? So then the next piece of it is how to relax your pelvic floor because that is just as equally important. I want to stress that it's just as equally important as contracting mm. your pelvic floor, engaging it. So now to confuse everybody, we're going <laughs> to inhale into our belly. The nice thing is everything's on the exhalation and then exhale. And now what I want you to think, and this is my favorite cue, most of all, as you're sitting there on your bottom in between your sits bones, I want you to think warm melted cheese, like that ooey gooey cheese. And that's what your muscle is becoming between your sits bones. So you're going to inhale into your belly. Exhale, just think oh, warm melted cheese or a lotus flower opening up or a rosebud opening up. <laughs> because what we're not doing is bearing down. We're just giving a nice relaxation to open up your pelvic floor and let it relax. So you can do those like the um, engagements twice a day for 10 times. And I always have people end with their pelvic floor muscle relaxation. So do three of those at the end of each of those 10 reps. Um, just because I want people to end with a nice lengthened pelvic floor. <laughs> Nice, Jen. I, I have to say, though, I don't actually like the image of cheese and my pelvic floor. <laughs> Use the lotus flower, the rosebud opening, whatever works for you. Everybody's different. And, and I love that you say that because it is true. Like, um, you know, I, I don't mean to get all serious all of a sudden, but... You know, I'd say about 90% of the patients that walk through my door have a history of trauma or some kind of uncomfortable thing related to their pelvic floor disorder. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a history of medical trauma or abuse, it's, you know, our country does not do sex, grief, and death well. <laughs> we like to shove mm -hmm. it under the rug and ignore it. But in pelvic health, it all comes out. And so I've literally had patients on the table where it's like, we're doing pelvic floor work. I know they have a counselor they're working with because that's like a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. And I'll like say their trigger word, like say their pelvic floor is doing great. And I'll, then I'll purposely say their trigger word. And then like, he, it seizes up. I'm like, all right, you know what to work on with their psychologist here. And she's like, yeah, I get it. You know? And so really that mind body connection is really strong. So I, I do believe in finding that, that word, that, that cue mm -hmm. that works for you to, en to engage and relax your pelvic floor is super critical. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just to add to your, the, the tampon analogy that you were talking about earlier, I want to be clear for the audience with that. When we were, after we were, um, like, uh, what, what what was the word that you used? Squeezing the the tampon or letting the tampon lift up up up, squeeze and lift mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, up the tampon. When we were letting go, we weren't trying to like spit that tampon out. That's not no. the type of relaxation we were trying to do. We we're trying to just kind of like release, but yeah. not not like like um, throw out. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're not trying to push the tampon out. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. <laughs> when, you, in the, when I do the relaxation, I often don't even say anything about, that's why I say the warm melted cheese because I'm like, okay, now we're just thinking about the muscles that you're sitting on or, you know, when you're mm -hmm. laying down, the, the muscles between your sits bones, just think of that area and let it just get relaxed. And so opening like a lotus flower on relaxation. So kind of thinking of that. Yeah. Great, great clarification there. <laughs> Thanks, um, Jen. Do yeah. I, I have a question. Do um, males leak too? I, I mean, obviously they are in all these high impact sports as well. So yeah. I was just wondering. Well, they What's, have a little bit of extra common? like integrity to their tissues. Um, they don't have that vaginal canal there. And so it is helping to assist with their um, 
with their continents. However, mm-hmm. yes, they can. Um, and they can get a lot of pelvic pain too. So, and like things like erectile dysfunction and a lot of that comes down to really hypertonic pelvic floors. They can mm-hmm. also have weaker too. So yeah, males are not, uh, then it's unavoidable here too. Like they're, they're in, they're in <laughs> with us and kiddos, right? So we yeah. think of kiddos and, um, a lot of constipation with kiddos. And so that can be treated and, and, you know, with like hands-off kind of mm-hmm. treatment stuff. So Yeah. We're all in this together and we all have a pelvis. <laughs> and you were talking earlier about how all like the muscles in your abdomen are just connected. You want them to be connected. So are there certain injuries that like, I guess, trigger leaking or would make it worse? Yeah. So hip injuries are a big one. So we can even, you know, I've had patients where it's just like, we're not going to do anything, uh, you know, manual on the pelvic floor. We really have to work just externally. And for mm-hmm. a lot of like the um, non-internal pelvic health PTs, like they can work, get great results working externally. And so hip muscle, the external rotators and um, the adductor muscles, they feed right into the pelvic floor. So connections through those fascial sheets. Mm-hmm. We also see in research that when you move your arm, your pelvic floor is engaging too. So really checking somebody's strength in their arms and their legs, um, even in the feet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I gave a talk about that. Um, it's on my Instagram. You can go up to the little profile and like and listen to mm-hmm. it, but connecting from like your foot to your head and how that's all connected to your pelvic floor. So, um, yeah, definitely so much we can do um, just looking at, you know, externally and injuries. So, yeah, I, I mean, I see a lot of um, I see a lot of patients that come in that have like seen uh, other PTs and it's just like something's missing. Like I still have this chronic pain in my hamstring or what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's Austin pelvic floor. And once we get that, like, like this is a big, fascinating thing to me. I'll have patients who are like five out of five strength, highly athletic, so strong everywhere and literally their pelvic floor is like a zero. It's like mm-hmm. a, not even like barely a flicker. I'm like, girl, what is going <laughs> on? Like, this is so weak. Like, this yeah. is like such a big culprit, you know? And it's very fascinating. And uh, once we start training that, things get a lot better. Maybe you can explain what happens in a pelvic floor exam or not a pelvic floor exam, yeah. but a pelvic uh, PT appointment. Yeah. Because you've talked a little bit about PTs that work on external, that work externally. Clearly, then that means that some some of the PTs work internally. Um, how do you test like pelvic floor strength? That people might be just nervous; they might have a problem and be, might be nervous about going to PT because they don't know who to ask about it and they don't know what that PT exam is going to be like. Yeah, totally. And and first and foremost, like patients rule the session. So mm-hmm. you know, there's often times where um, we will never, like I said, never do any kind of internal work. And when I say internal, I'll talk about that. But um, so basically what you can expect is an evaluation. And if you feel comfortable having like, a lot of times we can just collect information by signs and symptoms. And then um, if we think that a pelvic floor muscle assessment is in order, we'll say, okay, are you okay with that? Like get consent for that. And if they are, then um, how that works is first they will undress from uh, bottoms down, sheet over you. Um, we are always checking in, like, how are you feeling? Everything comfortable? And like, we, we only, we want you comfortable. <laughs> and so then first we'll just look at the pelvic floor and be like, okay, engage your pelvic floor and let's see what happens. And so we're just kind of trying to see like, when you breathe, is your pelvic floor actually doing those movements on its own? 
And then we will palpate around and say, okay, is anything here painful? We're also looking for rashes or anything we want to tell the doctor about and be like, whoa, like you actually have an infection going on. Like that could be contributing to your, to your issue. And then mm-hmm. um, what we'll do is, so if there's, there's three layers to your pelvic floor and how we actually test each one is your finger. So, so our finger is going to be assessing and we go to that first phalanx level and we'll, we'll just say, okay, contract and like palpate around second phalanx level. Again, feeling around to see if there's any painful trigger points. You'd be amazed at how many, like, like, whoa, that's my hip pain. Like, I can't believe it. Like, how, how are you pressing on my levator? And I, how is that causing my hip pain? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. it's all related, right? Like we talked about through those fascial sheets. And then we'll go to the third layer, the third phalanx here, and um and that's where we run through a series of tests of your power of your pelvic floor your endurance of your pelvic floor um Mm -hmm. and then like your fast twitch fibers so we run you through a test like that then we'll assess for prolapse and then um, we'll also do some more uh see if there's any painful spots in there and um you know often that's like a great place to start to be like okay let's actually start running through some exercises here and like do you can you feel your pelvic floor engaging like it's often very helpful to have somebody's tactile which is the finger there right giving you instant feedback Mm -hmm. there's also ultrasound so biofeedback ultrasound not diagnosing or treating with it but it's more um so we are treating with it but using it as biofeedback so that people can see it in real time look at their pelvic floor and transversus to Mm -hmm. get that like oh i'm doing this and that's what's happening like it can be really helpful so um and then and then on the other gamut, like there's certain patients that, you know, we just can't do that kind of work and that's totally mm-hmm. okay. We can do so much, um, with clothes on and, you know, testing your muscle strength, your hip, um, your, your, your arms, your, uh, your transversus, mm-hmm. um, and just running through that. So plenty to do. <laughs> yeah. And then just, um, to like add to that, there's gloves. Yeah. There's yes. lubricant. Oh, yes. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that your hands were going. I didn't want anybody to be thinking that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Gloves. Oh, yes. We wash our hands and we put gloves on and then we use lubrication. So slippery stuff is usually the clinical one. I know. Oh, God. I hope it didn't like horrify people. Um, no, definitely use gloves. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, looking for it. Like, we ask about history of STDs, anything like that, um, any history of infection. And then um, slippery stuff is the one that's used a lot in clinic and that's glycerin free and it's, um, you know, doesn't usually cause anybody any irritation. So yeah, thank you for saying. And no speculum. <laughs> so some people get scared no, of the yeah. like, no, 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 yeah. we're not checking the uterus. We're not checking for things that, you know, I don't go as high as the uterus, right? If there's a prolapse and the uterus is coming down, to meet my finger because that's like not where it should be then that is but but no we are not going to the cervix we're not doing that we're just purely those 24 muscles in your pelvic floor Mm. (laughs) 24 that's yeah you read different resources but that's like the biggest one do you think that everyone should get like these pelvic floor exams i feel like now that you're saying it like i feel like (laughs) It would be helpful to know. (laughs) I think it'd be helpful if you have an issue, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like we only do the things that we need to do, right? And if it's going to give us more information, then sure. Um, 
uh, was going to say just I mean, you might something. not know you have a problem. Like we see the eye doctor when yeah. we didn't know we have an issue. We mm -hmm. see the dentist and we didn't know we had an issue. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe help well, a poor person. A good place to start is like, I like to give a big questionnaire to my patients before they come in. And, and mm -hmm. it's like, and like even just taking a questionnaire and being like, oh, I thought this was normal. And we, we always hear, yeah. right? Just because it's common doesn't make it normal. And you'd be surprised at how audience you'd be surprised at how many things you think are normal and they are not like yeah. the one you can have a pain-free leak-free pregnancy. You can have pain. You can have pain-free sex. <laughs> you can have um, no leaking your, you know, your whole life. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of things have just been brushed under the rug and, you know, I could go on and on about other things, but I won't. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great place to start. It's just kind of taking a questionnaire and being like, Oh, what are pelvic health issues yeah. and, and seeing if that is so. Yeah. That's a great very point. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Jen, can you tell Thanks. the audience where to get a hold of you? You had mentioned like a link in your Instagram, where can they find out more information from you and maybe contact you if they're interested in more? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I'm at Instagram at, um, Jen underscore kinder underscore PT. Um, I have a Facebook page, rehab, fitness and wellness, also just Jen kinder on Facebook. And then, um, I am at the UCSF Fizz Fit Health and Wellness Center, which is right at Mission Bay campus, right? Like attached to Baker Fitness Center. Um, that's our direct access clinic. So it's like a private clinic where you come in and you've been off the street, right? It doesn't have to be a UCSF patient. Um, and you pay out of pocket, you can submit for reimbursement to your insurance. You can use FSA and H um, FSA and HSA. And then I'm, I'm also at the um, UCSF Lakeshore Clinic, which is the insurance-based clinic. So those are for that, that clinics like UCSF patients that are in that system. But mm -hmm. um, so plenty of options because yeah, excited to. I mean, but what if someone's people. not in San Francisco? Um, are there yeah. are there pelvic floor PTs everywhere? Can they get yeah. a hold of you and get PT online? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, PTs in California, we we, we lack the ability to treat across state lines. However, I can if there's a PT in that area and they want to do telehealth, I can like consult with that. Mm -hmm. um, can be a little costly though, because like if that PT wants to get paid and they're also, you know, paying me for that consult, that that's that can be hard on the patient. Um, and there's also certain countries that have gone through this. There's certain countries that lack pelvic health PTs. So that's a problem. Um, but there are definitely lots of pelvic health PTs out there. I think a great place to look is the um, American Physical Therapy Association. There's a directory. Um, Herman and Wallace has a great directory and just search it pelvic health PT in my city, in my state and, and see because mm. telehealth is a great option for those that may maybe live a little bit farther away from the pelvic health PT because mm. um, yeah, I think telehealth, we can do so much by telehealth and um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a great option for, for pelvic health PT. Thank you so much. Anything else? Thank you. No, I feel like I learned a lot in, okay. in the, the past Thanks. 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's so fun. <laughs> if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more discussions about health, self-care, and embracing the power of being women. Until next time.